Well, I hope that was helpful for you, and I hope you were able to lift up your cares and concerns during this time. Uh, COVID is uh, expanding not only here, but across the world. The United States, I think yesterday we saw the highest uh, number of people that have contracted the disease. I have uh, many people in my immediate family who are suffering uh, right now. My father and mother both infected, both at home, both very sick. Uh, my sister-in-law was rushed to the hospital last night. She was diagnosed with COVID a week or so ago, and now she's having some serious side effects. My brother-in-law as well, and one of her grandchildren that is here visiting, all tested positive. So uh, let's not take this lightly. Whenever judgment and catastrophe and cataclysm has come upon our world, those are signals. Uh, they, they come sometimes just naturally on their own, but other times uh, God is wanting to wake people up. And I really believe that uh, in my lifetime, the world has never had a cataclysmic upheaval like this globally, like the coronavirus. We've had other things, of course. Um, but certainly not anything like that. And so I've been urging all of us here at Christ the King to take this as a sign from God to repent of our sins, to believe the gospel, and to obey Him with our full hearts, earnestly obey Him. So as the world sort of surges and pushes and, and, and roils, if you will, like the ocean at the mountains falling. These catastrophic things that we're seeing all around, not necessarily in nature, but in nations and people in our own nation, polarized, hatred, vitriol. We're a week from an election and people are getting more and more anxious and more and more angry and more and more mean and hateful. And as a pastor in a Christian church, I'm telling you, if you're a believer in Christ, you must lay that at the foot of the cross. And the Scripture is full of resources that talk about this very moment that we're in. Probably the, the best one, the one that came to my mind this week as I prepared. This is not part of... This is not really a formal part of our series in the riptides that catch us, but this is certainly a psalm that addresses the riptides of cataclysm. It's Psalm 46. If you have a Bible, you can get it out. If you don't, it's okay. I'll read it to you. And then we'll talk about it for just a few minutes. And I hope that this will spur you on as we face and continue to face the days ahead, and no matter how bad they get, even with the vaccine, we're probably looking at another whole year of being extraordinarily careful. And even after that year, 2021, we're looking at a new world, a new, a new way of doing business, a new way of re recreating, a new way of uh, fellowshipping with our friends and family, even at church. And so hear the word of God. Listen to what he has to say to us. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters 
roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms of the earth totter. But he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. This psalm was written probably to be a part of a liturgy celebrating the kingdom of God and specifically God's kingship over and in this world. And it's very easy for us as believers to get caught up in all of the clamor, particularly with social media. Now, everybody's carrying one of these things around. It's got them uh, around our neck almost. It's choking us to death. Uh, we've got our computers, we've got our news, we've got all of social media, and it's just clamoring at us with fear. And God says, do not fear. I am the great king, I am the protector, I'm the military warrior who will go against all the enemy threats, I'm the provider who, as he says in this psalm, the first few verses here, I will provide civil, social, political, and spiritual good for my world. I will bring justice and righteousness and mercy. And the psalm is saying that God is the great king, but the king has a son. In all of the ancient Near East, kings were considered sons of God. They were considered sons of God in a world to bring about the protection and the provision that God instituted. This is where we get our ideas for civil government being good. It doesn't have to be a democracy. It could be any number of types of government. But when God institutes a government and it's run with justice and mercy and, and equity towards people, God is saying, I'm ruling this. And in the ancient world, in the theocracies of the ancient world, and especially in Judah and Israel, the king was son of God. And he was anointed to bring in protection, military protection against all the enemies, as we say, foreign and domestic. He is also the one who would provide for the people 
make sure the crops were coming in, making sure people didn't cheat with their scales, making sure that, that the poor were taken care of and that the gleaning on the edges of the fields were made, made possible for people. There was sharing and grace and the king himself would enforce this. And what the psalm is saying, our Westminster Catechism is great, talking about the Son of God, the Christ of God. Listen, here's the question. This is a children's catechism, by the way. How does Christ, Savior, how does He execute this office of a king? Listen to the answer. It's marvelous. Uh, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's, an, that's a request, a petition for God to subdue our hearts so that we will do His will. And that his kingdom can come on the earth as it is in heaven. That the earth will flourish and the garden will begin to spread. So where we see poverty and where we see unrighteousness or lying or deceit or hatefulness, we are to go into those spaces and say, no, here's the love of God, even if it costs us our very lives. And sometimes it does. I mean, we, in the United States, we live in obscene luxury. But that's not the case in many places. God has called us to depend utterly and completely on Him. And I'm telling you folks, I, I voted, I went and cast my vote as a citizen of this country. I urge you to do the same. But I am not going to shake or tremble no matter who gets elected. I am going to focus my eyes, if nowhere else, on this psalm. Because my heart, my dependence, my very life, I mean, every breath belongs to Him. Every bit of food we prayed, give us a stare, daily bread. I mean, don't we believe that? How many of us truly believe the gospel? And so on November 4th and 5th, and 6th, however long it takes to determine who is the new president of the United States, do not fear. Though the earth shake and tremble and fall to pieces or become glorious, makes no difference. For us, He is our refuge. He is our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Look at these first three verses. Therefore, we will not fear. When your heart is trembling, your heart is shaking, you're supposed to speak to your heart and say, No, I will not be afraid. This is not mind over matter. This is God's word over matter. You're pouring that into yourself. You may be shaking like a leaf. I do, at least once a day. But what are you to do? You're to remember the gospel. Don't forget your king has come. We're going to celebrate Christmas. Next week is the first Sunday of Advent. I can believe it. I mean, it's 90 degrees outside. But we're going to celebrate the coming of the great king. And this is what he promised. Though the mountains fall into the sea, the waters roar and foam, mountains quake and surge, upheaval of any kind, natural or political or in your health or in your bank account, whatever it is, he is our refuge. said this, the most violent, listen, the most violent civil commotions are illustrated in this psalm by the greatest physical commotions. It's not that we're looking, oh my goodness, there's storms and earthquakes and tidal waves must be the end. Oh no. He's talking During this time it says He is our help. The Hebrew word here is Ezra. Ezra. 
And it comes from the, the root word, ezer, which is the word used in Genesis 2 of Eve, the one who comes alongside Adam, the helper, the one who loves him, not to make up his better half, but to double what he is. Adam was 100%, but it was not good for him to be alone, so God Ezer, the helper. And for the rest of the Bible, God is called our helper, our Ezer, our Ezra. The person where we go to in times of chaos, he is our refuge. Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Look, folks, we're going to suffer. Things are going to happen. And God never said, I promise you a rose garden. That's country western music. No, there's no rose garden. There's a cross and there's thorns. But what he did promise is, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be your refuge and your strength. So we've got a refuge. Then there's a river. And finally, I'm going to talk about the Redeemer. But we've looked at the refuge. Let's look at the river for a moment. This is fascinating. Four through six. The river whose streams make glad. These are flowing in Jerusalem. The river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place, the dwelling of the Most High. God is within her. He will not fail. She will not fail. God will help her. The nations may roar. The kingdoms may fall. But He lifts His voice and the earth melts. They can rage. And as Psalm 2 says, the Lord sits back and He laughs at them. He goes, what are you doing? How foolish you can be. To rage at me, the one who created and gives you every breath of life. And yet we have such pride, such independence rather than dependence. There's a river whose whose streams make glad the city of God. So even in our suffering and pain, and listen, I've been there. I know that many of you have been there. I don't know anybody that has not been in those dark places of depression or fear Or lack, maybe you can't pay your bills, or you've got disease in your body, or your kids have gone astray, or you've gone astray, and your marriage is falling apart. Whatever the case is, God has said beneath that turmoil in life is running a stream of joy and gladness. What is that? That is nothing less than having an eternal perspective something I talk about all the time in our church, of being able to look not only at the here and now. Yes, we're going to look at the here and now, and not just 50%. 100% you look at the here and now. 100% you embrace the troubles and suffering of this world. But you have another eye. Another 100% of your vision is cast into eternity. And that eternity is moving towards us. We may be stationary. We may be stuck. We may be in hardship. But it's coming like a tsunami. It's rolling and moving towards us. The earth will melt. He lifted up his voice on the cross. Jesus cried out, it is finished. And those words echo throughout time and space and history. And they fall upon our ears to hear and to trust. There was no river. If you go to Jerusalem, there's no river there. Why? On purpose, 
the river there so that people would never confuse the physical river with the true river. God is the river. He is the sustenance, the sparkling, moving water, not a putrid pool that is stagnating and full of of, of filth. No, it's running and trickling and bubbling over the, over the rocks and it's good to drink and it's purified and it's a place where you can be sustained even in the desert. This is a desert context under siege. The nations may come against us and roar. I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking about the church, wherever the church is. When the nations are roaring and there's calamity and civil war and unrest, no matter where it is, God is speaking joy and gladness into His church. He's wanting us to go to Him, not find a place of refuge. You know, there's people that are moving to New Zealand because they think that's safe over there. Good luck with that. Good luck with New Zealand. Good luck with Australia. Good luck with... Uh, 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 Colorado Springs. Good luck. Those are John Calvin's words, not mine. Good luck. Uh, Good luck with that. The earth is going to melt in judgment. The earth is melting. And we are to be pushing back against those thorns, against that darkness. God help us to do it. We are not ever to look for a place. We are always to be looking to a person. There's a river, not a real one. There are streams of gladness. They're not out there. They're in Him. God, the holy place, the dwelling place. God is within her. He will not fail. He will help her. Ezra, He will help her. The prophet Isaiah, speaking of these exact times, much later than probably this psalm, said this. Listen, it's amazing. I don't know, when I read the book of our God, our, our scriptures, I'm amazed. I mean, how can he, who, who thought of this stuff? <laughs> Holy Spirit did this. Nobody else would think of these things. Listen, the Lord says, heaven is my throne, earth my footstool. Could you build a temple for me as good as that? Could you build me a resting place? God is asking a rhetorical question to bring us back to our senses. Are you going to build me a place? Are you going to do for me, God is saying? Are you going to do something for me? Yikes. My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. Instead of you bringing to me... I will bless those who humble themselves, who have contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. The evangelical church in the United States, I listened to a podcast the other day, it's fascinating, sent it to our elders and other leaders in our church. Because in this podcast, one of the, one of the guys there said, that in the past 50 years, the evangelical, I'm talking about our tribe here in America, have traded virtue for power. Virtue for political power. And I don't care if it's Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, it doesn't matter. The minute that we take our hearts and our hope and our trust and give them to something else, we have committed adultery. 
to our God. And people may say, well, shouldn't we fight for this and fight? Of course you do. But you don't give your heart to it. If it's there, good. If it's taken away, good. I will bless those who humble themselves before me, who have contrite hearts, who tremble at my word, not what's going on around us. We don't tremble at that. I mean, we may tremble because things are bad. But down deep is a river, is a foundation, a place. And God is saying, you can't do for me, I will do for you. And that brings us to the last section. So we saw, you know, God is saying, I'm your refuge. I'm a river of gladness for you. A place where you can go when, when everything is sour and bitter. And taste the sweetness of that clear and pure water. And then finally, a redeemer. Now this last section is really quite amazing. And I can't show it to you. We don't have a, a whiteboard up here. But this is what is called um, a chiastic uh, structure these last few verses 7 through 11 so look at verse 7 and look at verse 11 they're identical the Lord Almighty is with us God of Jacob our fortress Selah and verse 11 Lord Almighty with us God of Jacob fortress Selah then those are two they're bracketing the point of this psalm that is just blows my mind I hope it blows your mind, not so you're injured, but so that you're renewed in your spirit. Think about this. There's the bracket. Then look at 8 and 10. Look what it says. Come see the works of the Lord. Then verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Verse 8. Come see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought upon the earth. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then at the very center of the bracket, there's bigger bracket, smaller bracket now, in the very center, verse 9, read this, He makes wars to cease. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spears. He burns the shields with fire. An end to warfare Warfare in general, in the, in the macro, warfare in the micro, down in our souls and our hearts, wars between nations and peoples, wars between us and God when we shake our fist and say no to Him as our parents did in the garden and as we do sometimes daily, we say no, here I go, watch this. You want to see what I'm going to do now? I'm going to really sin. And we go all in. And then we're broken and we got to come back and humble ourselves and become contrite. And God promises to forgive us. But that warfare, that tension that we feel all the time in the world around us, as the election ramps up, that the tension that is being... I mean, I listened to uh, the, the Mayor, Mar, Mayor DeMargo's press conference the other day when he asked us very humbly, please stay home. And we could have had worship, but you know, out of respect for that, and the city officials, they were all humble and contrite, amazing leaders that El Paso has. They showed strong leadership for our city, for the care of our people. But they were contrite and they were humble. And my heart went out to them. They were trying to stop the COVID, a war. 
You see, we're in a world that's broken and filled with hostility and tension. And you could see in these men's faces and women's faces the stress of that tension just over this one issue. Oh my gosh, folks, how many we have. It's unbelievable. How many are in your life, my life? I don't know. But verse 9 is what he's talking about. The world is in an upheaval. He makes wars to cease. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns. Some uh, commentators that I read said that this Psalm 46 was the basis for uh, Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress. And it's very possible. I don't really know. And, uh, but perhaps there is. And so as we think about this, I want you for a moment to cast your eyes the, the, the world is filled with turmoil, but I want you to cast your eyes for a moment. How in the world is God going to make wars? How is he going to bring an end to this tension, to this cataclysm, this calamity that has been in our earth since the garden till now? How does he do that? Well, there was a day, most of you know this, there was a day in history when our Lord, our God, was not a fortress, not a deliverer, not a refuge, not a help. And the one who was left desolate on a cross is our King, our Savior, who in His own body and His own blood made peace with God so that we could come to Him with humble and contrite hearts and trust Him even through the worst of calamities, even on our deathbed, even whether we lose the world, let, earth, let goods and kindred go. This is the, the hymn. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's word abideth still. Come and see the desolations he brought on the earth. Folks, no desolation compares to the day that the earth grew dark. At noon, the rocks split and the whole globe trembled because the Son of God was hanging abandoned on a cross, bearing your sin, bearing my sin for us and as us in our place. And from that cross, he said, it is finished. And so these words mean something. Be still and know that I am God. Will you trust him? I hope you will. Let's pray, and then Danielle's going to play a little bit of music. Uh, do you have something you can play? Okay, Danielle will play a little bit of music uh, as uh, we pray, after we pray, and then we'll have the benediction. Holy God and Father, please burn these words down into our souls. There's not a one of us that is not trembling now as we feel the earth shake beneath our feet. We know that our world is in a... a a global pandemic 
The economy has been shattered and broken all over the world. The time for finger pointing and blame is over, Father. You are the sovereign God. And this is a sign for us to repent globally, nationally, and in this little church. Repent and believe the gospel. Trust the great King who came and went to a cross for us and have broken, contrite hearts. I'm asking you, Father, to peel the pride and the, the skin of avarice and materialism. Peel it away from us that we might behold our God, the great King, and look to Him and Him alone for our treasure. We pray this in the name of Your Son, Jesus. Amen.